I'm down for it. Let me see if he'll just respond to yelling. Hey, Ian, do you want to come record about annual conferences? He says no. <laughs> uh, I understand. <laughs> okay, just checking. Prophet, preacher, servant, leader, rector, reverend, deacon, elder, what the hell is the let's just check in let's just kind of see where where the conversation leads us did y'all did y'all also have annual conference this week uh yes actually i did not log on because uh so in the Susquehanna annual conference the um next and like the the liberal slash progressive wing of our annual conference are um uh how should i put it uh a bunch of disorganized hippies Oh, great. Um, Good. <laughs> and uh, it's quite sad uh, in many ways. It, it's, it's sort of the elder millennial early Gen Xer led sort of group. Um, and so there'll be, you also have gotten to know me really well at this point, Joe, where like I, I do not buy personally, confessionally, the whole, um, you know, we just have to keep keep going, keep at it, you know, have faith, all, all this stuff. Uh, the long arm of the universe bends towards justice. And I'm like, yeah, but it might not. This is usually my my go-to. And and that's sort of their strategy. So their strategy is, well, let's try to push everything to the left. Well, that's not working. Well, let's try to let's try to get them to acknowledge the hurt that that might have been caught that that we might have caused the lgbtq community Such yeah i saw nick share a, a speech about that yes yes and and it got voted down so going to conference is not great uh is not gonna issue that that got voted down and so then this group is like well then let's try and let's let's see if we can get something past that that lets folks know that we at the susquehanna annual conference are interested in thinking about becoming more diverse. <laughs> That's cute. And 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 that passed barely. <laughs> and and, uh, and and then and then they all like circle jerked each other off like in the Facebook page. Like we did it. <laughs> and I'm like congratulations guys. Um, but like my last time I was at a meeting with the UM next, you know, with that sort of crowd, I basically told them I was like, if you guys have something, have an idea for me to be a part of, like, I'll do it. But I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't see a win strategy here. You know, the win strategy seems to be uh, stick with it because one day you'll retire and get your pension. Oh, yeah. It seems to be the win strategy. And so, like, I don't, you know, and I still, there still is no win strategy. There's no win strategy sort of sort of internationally globally you know in the in the united methodist church and and in, and in my home conference in susquehanna for folks who are listening there is definitely no win strategy like there is there's is absolutely none the wins you know it's we all get together and we say well if we just try really hard maybe we'll get a step in the right direction and i'm like uh-huh you've been outmaneuvered and outclassed right that's what happened and we've talked about that for forever joe you know that like like no liberals have been out out organized out maneuvered out class out debated out everything and and now we, we we're we're still so shell-shocked that we still sort of show up and kind of think it might work like it might work out when really there's there's no win strategy it's 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 the United Methodist Church is only going to get more conservative every year for the rest of our lives. Um, yeah. And, and that's just how it is. I, I mean, so I go back and forth on that because I like, I want to, so there was, there was a thread that I responded to or kind of, I, I quote tweeted it and I, I'm getting the impression that quote tweeting is like passive aggressive, but I just genuinely like didn't want to get in on everybody else's replies. I just wanted to say my own thing about it. Um, 
but it was it was talking about how difficult it can be to leave a faith community mm. that it, that is not affirming um because like this is your community these are your people you have invested in these people like this is your social network this is your support network like this for like somebody who has gone all in on church this is your everything mm-hmm. um like there's uh there's uh ian's home we were we visited ian's home church and there is a, a something occurring at Ian's home church that like rankles me. And I, I'm like, I, like, I don't think I could do this. Like, I don't think I could attend this church. Like, I, I'm just kind of like going through, like, here I am right now. Like, this is, this is kind of a deal breaker for me in a church that I would attend. And then I had to be like, like, I know that you love this church. I know this is their church and these are your people. And I'm sorry. Uh, and Ian was like, I mean, like without my church, there is no me. Like, these are the people that got him through some of the most difficult times in his life. And, and like, there's something really true about that. And like, I think mm-hmm. back to like the church I went to in college and like church, I think got me through a lot of things. Um, and it was really only like when I started to step into leadership of the church that I realized that, uh, that the game is played really differently. That's also because I was going to much smaller churches that were never going to like me as me. Um, but like there's it's really like these are the people who like first told me that like just like every single Sunday that they were proud of me and that they were happy that I was there. Like these are the people who like taught me how to like care for one another I mean there's just my mom liked the Facebook page so maybe my mom will start to listen to the podcast but like (laughs) hi mom (laughs) hi mom well like while my parents were dealing with a lot of difficult stuff when I was growing up like the church like filled in a lot of the gaps that we had just from this situation like it's hard to look back at my home church that I know is never going to be affirming and then mm-hmm. I know, like, would look askance at me now if I were all of who I am very publicly in their face. But, like, to, to know that, like, if I walked in off the street now, this church that loved me and raised me would not want me. Like, that's really, that's, there's a whole lot that goes along with that and with leaving that space. And that's, that's really a challenge. And mm-hmm. so you want to hold out hope that, like, maybe something's going to change or maybe something's going to shift or maybe like this slow work will actually like make a difference. But like the, the other side of it is that like, there was another tweet that I saw today of somebody who is like, I'm looking to talk to millennials who have left their faith community or their faith tradition. <laughs> and I was like, is that me? I haven't been to church in more than six months. Like I, I I'm like, I'm really, I'm really caught up with this because like, on the one hand, like, is the United Methodist Church ever going to be all that I, at this point, need it to be? I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really think so. But like, completely affirming that and being like, nope, it's never going to do it. I should just go is, is a different ball game, I guess. It's, it, it comes with a different level of uh, emotional and spiritual baggage <laughs> than like, yeah than maybe I was honest about with myself before. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Joe, I think this is a situation in which my upbringing is a little different. Um, right. There, there was never really a moment in, which, in my life. Like, I was always involved with the local churches that we were a part of. But, but like, the more formative moments of my life spiritually, if I ever had any while I was you know, uh, kind of a, a teenager, because, you know, you know, I was, I didn't really believe it, uh, all happen in sort of, you know, outside of local congregations, you know, whether in Bible studies that my parents hosted at our house, you know, that like Nick and Jory and Angie, you know, and Annie were a part of, or, or the evangelical adjacent things that I did, like, like, if I had a spiritual life, you know, and a community that nourished me in, in those ways, it was in those places. And then my relationship to the United Methodist church was very, pretty much strictly business. You know, I've all like, I was a youth delegate, you know, to all these things and did all this stuff, but not because like I had sort of this great love for Camp Hill United Methodist church or, Fishing Creek Salem United Methodist Church, which are the two Methodist churches I was a part of while I was growing up, right? 
like and, and so for for me there's there is a, a very real sense in which letting go of the united methodist church is just to let go of the business right it's just to let go of the administrative the polity all of that and if there was a local congregation or a faith community that I was a part of that'd be really different you know like like if i i think i think it's a different game to tell somebody the the local congregation that that raised you and loved you and taught you to pray and taught you that you were loved you need to leave that place because of the stance of the greater denomination. I would say, no, I think that's bullshit. Like, of course you don't need to do that. The, that, that's, that is garbage. If you, have, if you have found a local congregation, but you and I uh, have not. That's true. <laughs> you know, like uh, that, that sort of comes with the territory, I think of being pastors in the United Methodist Church. We, we forfeit our membership to a local congregation and we become members of the annual conference. And the annual conference is hella easy to leave. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> in, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, no, I, I still go back and forth about all this because like, on the one hand, I do really love the idea of connectionalism, mm -hmm. and but then on the other, like I, I don't know, we've we've seen ins and out, insides and outsides of annual conferences and how um, you know how they can just be a mess. I was like seeing tweets from the Virginia annual conference, and yeah. <laughs> they were talking about the DS is getting raises. Uh, and what was the other thing that I saw that I was like, what are they doing? Oh, the bishop was like commenting on legislation before people voted about it, which I is not what the bishop is supposed to do. Yeah, the, the, bish the bishop is just in full tyrant mode from what I understand. Yeah. Like she's just, she's just doing whatever she wants. And like that, I, I don't know. I, so at, at the church I was serving in North Carolina, the one that I served the longest, one of the uh, one of one of the people who was one of my strongest supporters was like, you know, I just don't believe in politicians. I think all the politics is dirty. Like, I think no good comes out of politics and politicians and, and there's no way to fix anything through the system. Meanwhile, I'm over here like volunteering for Elizabeth Warren and like volunteering as a elections officer later and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and just being like relatively political <laughs> involved in the process. And she felt that way because she, her dad had been an elections officer growing up and like had been intimidated because it was just, I, I don't know how, how different of a time it was, but like there were people from like uh, one party or the other in different years who would like block him from leaving the house to like go certify votes or like all this kind of shady stuff. And she's like, I watched all that growing up and I, like I never never want anything else to do with politicians because they're all crooked they're all shady and i feel like a lot of this is just from my gut feeling i feel like most people our age that i know <laughs> i have that kind of feeling about annual conferences and bishops and mm -hmm. the general conference and just like the hierarchy of the church in general that like we've seen enough uh uh, bad actors in these situations to be like you know I just don't know that any good comes out of it at the same time like this is the one route that we have to make systemic change yeah. in the UMC so like you gotta I guess you gotta at least try I don't know well well and you're right um so like this is one of the reasons why Cisco, this the stuff that's happening with like my home conference on the more liberal or progressive side frustrate me is because there is no strategy. There is, like, like I said, like there, well, there's really no win strategy. Um, so like all I mean by that, um, listeners and Joe, is that I, I don't have the clear sense of how the, the plan will lead to the goal. You know, if the goal is apps, full inclusion, you know, of, of LGBTQ folks in the life of the United Methodist Church. And we at the Susquehanna Annual Conference are going to do our part to 
further that goal in the long run, but in the short run, at least make the Susquehanna Annual Conference a place where LGBTQ people are more fully included. Then I would just like to know what our five-year plan is. Right. You know, that's what I want to know instead of hope. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't care. You know, I like, I don't have hope. I guess maybe that's the first step. First blind hope, I guess. I guess the first step is, is to blindly have faith in the inherent goodness and reasonableness of bigots. I guess that's the first hope. The first, the first step is if we can only just connect with the conservatives really, really well, then they will understand that this is how it's supposed to be. Then if that's the first step, then I'm already screwed because I don't believe in it. But if somebody were to be like, here's the goal. At, this is at the Susquehanna Conference now. I'm quite sure this happens in many other, this, this, what I'm about to describe does not happen in other conferences. But like at the Susquehanna Annual Conference, there is no five-year plan. There is no, go, there is no, you know, strategies for making these things happen. Instead, it's a general attitude. If we, if we have the general attitude and, and the general, um, uh, agreeableness to get conservatives to like us or to somehow um, um, be given influential charges or whatever, then maybe through our, through our general politeness and niceness, um, we might shift the culture in some way of, of the Susquehanna Annual Conference. But that's not really a strategy. Right. You know, you know that. Like, that's not really a strategy. That's protection. You know, that's yeah. that's uh, somebody uh, is real sad that LGBTQ folks can't be fully included in the life of this church, but they're not so sad that they're willing to jeopardize their friendship with with the one bigot that they made friends with in seminary. Right. You know. Right. And like bigots are people too. Um, so like there, I like I understand the like inherent criticism of of our grouchiness about it. But like the thing is, conservatives spent literal decades building the conservative apparatus and mm -hmm. getting their own publishing house together and making their own materials and organizing together and like streamlining their message and finding the one clear thing they could focus on. And then being like, well, we're willing to walk if we don't get this. And I feel like the only people who are trying to be like, let's try to figure out a way to live together are the liberals. But we could also just be like, you know what? Seems like you want to go. So yeah, like there's no reason for us to be reconciled to one another when yeah. you're not arguing in good faith. That That's the, um, yeah, that's my frustration that I have with liberals in general is that like conservatives saw the lay of the land set up organizing that does not look a lot like the organizing that we have on the mm. left and have just like really hammered home on the family values messaging that they have, right? Like mm -hmm. they produced like nationwide, they produce Fox News and like now they have their apparatus, they're good to go. And and we're just too wishy-washy to do that. And like, I don't know, I, I like the idea of not having the liberal equivalent of false news, uh, Fox News. Uh, I, I like, I like um, yeah, I know. Um, I that like- was classic, that was good. <laughs> the loony right. <laughs> Like, I, don't, I don't know like because you can have conservative-ish values and like not be a bad person like you mm -hmm. can like say that we should have caution when pursuing new pro projects and you can really value learning from our past and like all sorts of like I think there are ways that you can like be on the other side of the coin from from whatever we think liberals are but but like you also have to understand that like all of the united states is much further to the right of like anywhere else in in europe for example and so mm -hmm. like our center politics are actually right politics in places like our our radical left is really just the left in other places and yeah i think we just have such a such a i think 
a lot of the people who like are in good faith trying to like organize around LGBTQ inclusion on like the annual conference level that I have seen in conferences like Susquehanna, but also like the Western North Carolina conference um, are doing it with this kind of, if we just earnestly try, <laughs> we're gonna make a difference when it, we're not building up the apparatus that we need to build up in order to affect change. Because we don't feel like we have to, we feel like we have right on our side and that's gonna be sufficient. <laughs> and I just, it's a, <laughs> I, it's a, it's a, the optimism of the nineties, you know, run amok. You're right, you're right. It's fascinating, isn't it? I think that you're, I think you're exactly right. I think that um, we do. I think that we're sort of trained to think that um, uh, the inherent uh, uh, goodness of our position will, will somehow win the day when there's no, there's no guarantee of that. You know, like, like there's, I, I, think, I think that's a huge, uh, I, I don't often like quoting the watchman. <laughs> uh, I promise you guys, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not, you know, that guy, but uh, I, all I can think of is Ozymandias telling uh, Night Owl to grow up, just grow up. Like, yeah. like, don't give me the, you know, the schoolboy heroic bit. That's just not how any of this works. And, and I think that that's true for, for this, you know. Um, Cause I just don't think that's what, heroism actually is like I don't know so I was listening to Ian do his annual conference and Ian wrote these bills on uh criminal justice and policing reform mm -hmm. I wrote these like petitions to the annual conference to that for them to then send to the New York assembly in Albany and uh but he he like put all this work in to like write these resolutions to get them to get them to the floor he's like making speeches in favor of them he's got like people supporting him like he's doing he's and he's also like organizing among other clergy and other laity like the delegates that are actually going to annual conference and like mm -hmm. he's part of the people who are organizing on like the larger level at general conference and trying to figure out what's happening. like ian's doing the work ian's doing an ass ton of work <laughs> to like try to make the denomination a better place like he is not one of the people who is who's just like you know i'm just gonna try to do the right thing and hope that, that turns out okay like he's putting in the work to try to make the right thing a reality and like that to me is heroism you know it's the difference between making juneteenth a federal holiday and actually working to pass legislation that betters the lives of black people in the united states like mm -hmm. like i i just think that I, we we were raised with some type of I, and I don't know where this like comes about generationally I don't know like if this is just a facet of society or whatever but I think we have this idea that like heroes are just like the people who believe in the right thing instead of the people who organize and march and get in people's faces and like do the work and strategize to make the right thing happen but when you start talking about strategy people start thinking that you are a radical leftist who is like who is the equivalent of like Oh, I don't know. I was going to be like a Black Panther, but like, but that's what they think. Like they have the boogeyman of Black Panthers and like organizing during the civil rights movement um, or right. like somebody who wants to organize a union, you know, like all these things are very scary when you talk about mm. organizing on that level and, and that shouldn't be in the church. That's too political. And I can't like, that's the only way that things are going to change. And I, and I think we just have to get over get over the fear of being thought of as somebody who's strategizing because nobody on the right is afraid of strategizing. Right. Well, and I think that's the big, that's the big sort of dirty secret. So like, I, I think about what happens when folks learn about like the Southern Christian leadership conference, like really learn about them for like the first time mm -hmm. and go, wait, are you telling me that, the bus boycotts, the Rosa Parks, every speech, every every moment was choreographed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of, of course, course it was. was. Why of do you course. think it was as effective as it was? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and and I've you know, and I've heard this is not from everybody, but I, I can think of two or three people in my life um, who who are really hurt and angry when they hear that. 
they're like, well, th- then it's all a lie. Somehow it's all a lie. Somehow it's somehow it's deceptive. Somehow it's you know it 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 it's less than good. Um, and and I have to assume that that part of that is people are trained to sort of think that these great things for justice and good and whatever um, come about spontaneously. Yeah, that they just sort of that that that's 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 a mark of it being a good thing. Uh, yeah. Well, did it just sort of happen? If it just sort of happens, you know, then then that's uh, that means that there is no manipulation. And the funny, the funny, dirty secret is just like what you said, the entire uh, right wing apparatus, the entire conservative, both politically and at this point in United Methodist Church and in the Southern Baptist Convention, theologically um, and, and polity wise, uh, all of that was come up with in a boardroom 40 years ago. Right. You know, like. You mean to tell me that Ted Cruz doesn't mean what he says? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is exactly. He of course doesn't mean what he says. You know, or or wait, you mean to tell me that 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 these pieces of legislation that churches are working on uh, don't just get written when the spirit moves them in one day? No, they're they're thought through and 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 tried to figure out that that's how. That's how justice happens. That's how anything happens. Um, revo- that's how revolution happens. <laughs> right? Like the revolution. Single revolution, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Revolution doesn't happen just sort of because, you know, like, give me a break. But that's how we tell the story, right? Like that's yeah. the, and that was the other big thing about listeners were recording on Juneteenth. So that's why it's kind of on my head. But like, that's what I saw from a lot of activists this week talking about Juneteenth is like, now it's a national holiday. Now it becomes, oh, this is the day when we celebrate the fact that the slaves were freed. And it doesn't talk about all of the work that went into that the freedom happening that like the emancipation proclamation was not sufficient that black people free themselves that it is also an ongoing struggle for equality and justice in in the country now like that reparations are a thing we need to work toward like all that gets lost when you turn it into a a memorial day for black people you know Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. And, but we love those stories. We love, we love Paul Revere. You know, we, we love like this simple narrative of like, here's a person saving the day, or here are a a group of people who are doing these random good storytelling, like acts that like fit into a story. And, and, and I don't know how to tell stories any differently. Like that's how narrative structure works. Like that's, right. that's why news is reported that way. That's why stories and history are written that way. Like to write about all of the people on the ground doing the work of like pushing these movements forward. Like you can capture the experience of like an anonymous person going to the March on Washington. And that mm. gives you a sense of, oh, this was bigger than just Martin Luther King Jr. But that that doesn't kind of tell the sweeping story of how humanity is actually changed. Um, and it's something that like Christians are especially susceptible to because what is our primary story? Our primary story is that one guy put the whole world on his shoulders and died on the cross and now everything is fixed, right? Like yeah. we don't mm-hmm. we don't understand movement as a story. That's why Easter is our big holiday and not Pentecost. Yeah, that's a good, that's a, ooh, that's a good word. I like that word, yeah. Thanks. I yeah, maybe yeah. saw that on Twitter, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just watched this is not, I promise you this will not devolve into pro wrestling. Okay. But I just watched a documentary about Rowdy Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. And Rowdy Roddy Piper is one of the great talkers in pro wrestling and just has a million like phrases and like one liners and things that he 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 you know just legendary moments on the mic in pro wrestling. And uh, in this documentary, his children are like, yeah, I mean, dad, dad had notebooks all over the house where like he'd he'd, like play with us. And then suddenly he'd stop and run over to a notebook and write it down and then come back and play with us. And it was just phrases. It was just stuff he'd come up with. And and like and so the interviews always felt off the cuff. But like 
he's actually worked on what he was going to say, you know, in X situation for like weeks and months and, and all this stuff and have, and have 40 years of notebooks, right. Of, of like catch. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, and silly things like I've came here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum, you know, <laughs> right. and, he, and, and he'd circle it. But like, uh, that's my pro wrestling thing for today. But like that, that um, kind of preparation um, in like it is something that I think you're right. I think we're not really trained to see. We're not really trained to imagine is, is, you know, kind of goes with it. And I think as a result, we, uh, it, the other thing it makes me think about is this, uh, is that book I read in black studies about um, charismatic leaders. Mm-hmm you know, and, and how we're sort of trained to, to think through stories as being kind of led by, by yes, by that one person, but, but really any, any sustained story that really brings about real change for the good or for the bad is sustained by a cast of people all the time. Um, and, and your comment about Pentecost, I think, proves that a lot better, right? Like, like this, there's a reason why really good ecclesiology um, is quick to say, we are Jesus now. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's what it means to be the body of Christ. It, it doesn't, yes, did we have a charismatic leader at one point? I guess sort of. <laughs> I, guess, I guess to a degree, Jesus was the charismatic leader. But you know, G- Jesus exists bodily on earth, only in our bodies together. Um, which means that there is no more leader. You know, uh, it, it, like at least physically, it's just us. And, uh, and, and I think that that's one of the only ways that anything can, like we've been saying, anything can like move and be done well. And once again, I don't mean to circle back. This is why I'm fucking pissed off at my home conference because, mm-hmm. because nobody wants to um, really take ownership, not just of grabbing it and saying, I am the leader, but, no, but, but like our group, the, the liberal progressive inclusion wing, doesn't want to say, no, we will do it. We right. will come together. We will take, this is how we're going to make this happen. This is what we're going to do. You know, nobody's just saying, eh, we'll just marry a ton of gay people or eh, we'll just we'll just only invite gay people to preach in our churches or or to lead, you know, stuff. And like like that would if there's no win strategy, at least that would make this strategy would make sense to me. Right. Um, but instead, I don't know, I guess we like like we've been saying, we just sort of hope that that the good story of good triumphing over evil will be told and you know by somebody and it will sort of just happen um when that's you know there's no guarantee for that there's no guarantee that that that's why that's why eschatology that that's that's why i think eschatologies that i really like are eschatologies that take that that take place outside of time you know, uh, a, a realized eschatology in which the eschaton takes place sometime in the future, and we just have to get to it. Um, I think might lead us lead us liberals astray a little bit <laughs> into thinking that yes, on a long enough timeline, we will we will reach the kingdom. Where I'm like, well, no, maybe we just won't. You know, maybe the yeah. kingdom really does come upon us like a thief in the night, right? Like, and maybe the kingdom really does uh, break into history and time in a way that we don't understand in any way, you know? And if that's the case, then no, there is no, not only is there no waiting around, but there can't just be this idea that um, we could just kind of do things business as usual and eventually it will happen. Like, no, that, that's not how it works either. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's something true in all that. Um, 
Like what I what I'm currently really struggling with uh, is how to like. <laughs> So this is something that like in therapy, in therapy, you have all of the, like the affirmation phrases and like all of the, all of the truths that you have to accept about yourself that like will help you get through difficult times. And it's all like, I, like I'm loved and I'm valuable just for like being alive and all that kind of stuff that like it fits well on like a embroidered pillow. Mm-hmm. And, and like none of that really fit for me like none of those mottos or 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 mantras really fit and my therapist was like that makes sense and like if you don't buy it then then like that's not the thing for you we have to find the thing for you and I haven't been able to find the thing for me that like that like sticks and feels good and true and like that I can like hang my hat on of like Mm -hmm. this is what I come back to in difficult times um and I really would love for there to be something from Christianity or something from my tradition that feels like that. Like I would love to be like, well, I believe that all humans are in the image of God. And so therefore all humans deserve love and dignity and all this kind of stuff. Um, which I, which I do think is true, but like, how does that help me live, uh, a life in this world that doesn't see that truth, you know, like, I, I, I like it's not that it feels really subversive because we have a lot of uh, there's a lot of people in the world who are saying things like that but it also feels subversive in the face of like capitalism <laughs> and right. the, the system that treats us all as if we are just workers to be used up um and not as if we are valuable but that doesn't change none of that changes the political reality uh, and none of that teaches liberals how to organize. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> uh, so that's all right. That's the like the gap I have right now that I'm kind of thinking through is that like, I, because I like, I have to be honest, I am overwhelmed with like the weight of the world sadness <laughs> right now. Like even more than I was, I think during the pandemic, and during the protests and like when I was serving as a pastor, like there were a lot of times that I felt overwhelmed, but it wasn't this, like, I felt like things, there was a possibility for things to change. And now I feel like there is not really any chance that things are going to change. And like, that's not a place that's a really difficult place to live fully out of (laughs) where you're like, I'm just going to exist in this world and and nothing's actually going to get better. I, like, like you just, it's really hard to function like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think like if, if I could like tie the pieces together to be like, maybe things are not, maybe, maybe the kingdom of God comes like a thief in the night and, and we just wait for it. But I feel like it's also something we have to work toward, but like, how do you work toward it when like, it feels like all of the gains that you ever get are just erased overnight sometimes like I like just just like at the whim of Joe Manchin (laughs) everything feels like it's not moving forward and like the national level is not the sum the national level of politics is not the sum totality of of society right um and like what's happening in the United Methodist Church is not the sum totality of what's happening in Christianity though like let's be honest what's happening with like the Catholic Church right now or with the Southern Baptist Convention like it was just a big religion news week and none of it was, it was. yeah yeah it wasn't like it wasn't like local Catholic bishops help build a house for the homeless you know <laughs> right that would have been a nice story I've been like oh that's good <laughs> yeah and it uh Catholic bishops consider not letting Joe Biden take communion to keep their to keep their overlords happy, <laughs> you know. Right. And it's and then again, like I I am following Indigenous people in Canada who are like, you know, a church that can't uh, own up to the fact that they murdered children in residential schools maybe shouldn't be called pro life, you know. Like it's there, like it's just it's just a lot of grief, and I feel like it's just latent grief, not just, but it is latent grief from the pandemic because like things feel like they're opening up, but we're but like six hundred thousand people are gone and we'll never come back, mm-hmm. and that's just in the United States, and that's just the ones we've counted. I, I don't know, like 
it, it's just really hard to think that like things are going to get better when so much work was put in and things are, I guess, about the same with prospects for getting a lot worse. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and and I think like if you zoom out far enough, then like this individual moment should not feel so crushing because you can see how things are shifting and changing. And I think it's easier to have hope maybe when you're looking at the big picture, maybe, but, maybe. but like where I'm at right now is not the big picture does not actually impact my day to day. And how do I live in my day to day while it, while it feels like there's no point in trying anymore, like, yeah, which is real dark is not where we need to go after this. But like, that's, that's what the annual conference triggers in me <laughs> a lot is like, yeah. well, once again, it is affirmed for me that nothing changes and nothing gets better. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I agree that that is heavy and strange and hard. And I feel a lot of what you feel, you know. I think that pretty much all of my strategies for coping with that boil down to a mixture of not consuming a lot of media anymore. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's so hiding a little bit, but it's not. I don't think it's really hiding. You know, it's not like it's not like I've got my head in the sand and I don't care. It's it. I can only hear. I cannot control Joe Manchin. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so hearing about him will not help unless I, unless I plan to personally assassinate him and then install, I'm not doing that. Everybody, you know, like, yeah. FBI, like, like, that's not what our plan is. <laughs> yeah, it's not, That's not the plan. I am kidding. Like, like, unless I plan to take matters into my own hands, which I do not, I, I have no plan to do that because I don't want to go to West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia um, is a lovely state and we should stand up for it. It's more than Joe Manchin. You're right. Sorry. You, I, I, no, no, you're right. I agree. Um, I just don't want to go there. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything. It just means I don't want to go there. to West Virginia. Um, but like, I think that, I think this is why I, I often turn to, you know, what I'm doing locally. Like, don't get me wrong. There are, we we need to we need to keep in mind what's happening you know throughout our country and everywhere particularly for folks who are part of a church like we are like it matters you know mm -hmm. not only from a sort of a christian ethics perspective but but it matters because we're part of a global entity and so it matters what's happening um but like you know i i also try to I do, I do my best not to beat myself up. You know, I do my best not to be, not, because I think that like, I think we joke that we are liberal shame here. That's our secret. That's our secret <laughs> title. But like, I think that that liberal shame piece um, is remarkably, you know, our, our brethren on the right are remarkably free from it. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, when we feel shame, we tend to feel shame over not being able to, I don't know, solve the world's problems or not being able to care enough sometimes to solve the world's problems, even if we don't know how. Or when we feel shame about making money, mm. or we feel shame about, you know, saying, I'm not going to focus on Joe Manchin, I'm going to focus on this instead. <laughs> and and like i don't i'm not blaming anybody for making us feel shame like i'm not blaming i don't think there's like a secret strategy to make us all hate each other like 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 all brethren on the right seem to think about critical race theory well yeah feminism well feminism just teaches women women to hate men i'm like yeah if only women would learn how to smile more <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly yeah right um I don't know, Joe. I, I feel a lot of that. I feel a lot of what you feel. I really do. But like tomorrow, Adrea turns four. That's true. You know, and, and like, I don't know. Like, that's, that's good. That's a good thing. That's my, maybe that's my other strategy is I try to, I try to think about, I try to think about good things, not like superficially good things, not like things that like feel good in order to distract me. 
but like I try to think about things that are like genuinely good that that are that are happening and that are real you know that are happening to my friends or happening to my family or to me you know like like Adrea turns four Adrea is starting preschool you know I, we get to be back on grounds this fall like like there's you know there, there's good stuff that's happening you know your jobs you just you you know i think about you uh being able to like be partnered with some you know maybe for the first time for you with somebody who's like who's, who's like into the world you're into right like and you get yeah. to be in with him right like yeah. like that's that's such a that's a good thing these are all good things and uh and that's good that that may like I'm starting in Gordonsville July 1. You know what? That's not a bad thing. Local church is not bad. You know, these people might suck. No offense <laughs> if you're listening, but but like it's still not bad. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's that part of me that thinks that I'm just making excuses and that I need to I I need to care deeply about Joe Manchin. But I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, and like I don't, I don't think that you do. I think there's a lot of change that can be affected locally. That if we're if we're doing that, um, then like there there's there's a type of pressure that comes from local governments and state governments getting their shit together, and then the federal government's like, well, I guess everybody did this already, so we're just gonna rubber stamp it. Um, right. and, and honestly, you can be a lot more effective on the local level. I think that's just very true. Um. Yeah, I, I, I think there's something very true in what you're saying, um, and I think that it's a it's a self worth issue that I feel like everything that's good that's happening to me is something that like should not really be praised and honored because it's just happening to some white girl somewhere. Um, but like like all of the goodness in the world is like worthy of praising, you know. Like I think I think there's something yeah. really to that. Um, doing that like without also recognizing all that needs to be fixed in the world is is the problem uh and i think that i think that my gut reaction from focusing on the good is being told to focus on the good without actually struggling for change but i think focusing on the good is what helps us in the struggle and change i think there's truth in that i agree and like from from where i stand as somebody who accidentally watched a video on youtube yesterday of a guy critiquing conservative media which means that now I get conservative media on my YouTube feed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. which, which like I was five seconds into the video and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, like, I totally fucked my feed up. Oh no, I only was watching wrestling videos and, and it was great. Um, but uh, as somebody who's, who has over the last two days now accidentally consumed, consumed, uh, conservative media like one of the things that it is is the constant the, the constant thing i see over like conservative youtube is liberals hate themselves why do you want to be like a liberal and and i'm like hey we do kind of hate ourselves <laughs> you know and like and like i think that i think that that's you know we talk about that with Trump, right? Like Trump, Trump was able to take conservatives and help them feel no more shame about who they are. You know, why do you feel shame for not liking black people? Who taught, who taught you to feel shame for being racist? You know, <laughs> right. Full of Malcolm X. Who taught you that? Well, you don't have to listen to them. Yeah, you're right. I don't have to feel shame for just wanting a white only city. What's so bad about that? Yeah. What is so bad about that? It, it, well, like for us, we think everything's bad. And and like all you have to do is just be on liberal social media, you know. That's fair. And and you watch uh, you watch somebody say, Hey, I just want to let you know it's this is real bad in the academic Twitter world. I'm really just want to let everybody know I'm really excited. I got offered uh, uh, an assistant professor position at such and such and such and such. Well, you should have said no because that place is on is on Native American, you know, ground. 
And really, you shouldn't have gotten it. I should have gotten it because I'm queer. And really, I should you should I really my best friend should have gotten it because she's black and queer. And really, we should be destroying academia anyway. And I'm like, the lady got a job. Can we just be happy that the lady got a job for right. five seconds? <laughs> I know we all know all of this is bad. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> but, but like the lady got a job. She's probably yeah. just happy that she's got health insurance. And I also know that's bad too, but like, let's just be like, cool, or don't say anything. Because yeah. the, because guess who doesn't, you know, like totally freak out when a good thing happens to somebody? Apparently right-wingers, which is odd. <laughs> yeah, that does not seem like what we want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I uh, we had lunch with a friend of Ian's from college and her partner, and uh, she was talking about how she, <laughs> a friend of hers on Facebook, was like, "I better not see all you white liberals going out and uh, enjoying uh, outdoor recreation on Juneteenth. Like this is the day for us to be working for the liberation of Black people." And she had like planned a camping trip <laughs> already mm. before they passed this federal holiday overnight. <laughs> and she's like i i guess i'm just not gonna post about it like i can't i can't do that yeah i think i think a lot of my social media feeds make me feel like there's no good way to live in the world there's no like moral way to live in the world and uh sometimes you have to take a step back from that we need to just yeah there's a level of like let people be like, especially amongst liberals when we like, we all know that we're all fighting toward the same thing. Like, let's just celebrate the wins when they come. (laughs) Like the wins are never going to be enough in our lifetimes, but enough of them, enough of them in our lifetimes means that maybe for our grandchildren, the wins will be better as long as they're still a planet, I guess. Well, there might not be a planet. That's true. In, in the words of the great philosopher, the iron sheet, Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our new sign off for what the hell is exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I saw you liking some of Iron Sheik's uh, <laughs> uh, tweets. I, I was like, oh, that's a good one. That Joe liked it. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I find it very liberating. <laughs> isn't, isn't he a great, isn't he like the best Twitter follow? It's, yeah. it's everything. It's everything you could ever want. It's everything you could ever want. Fuck the Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> And what's great is that like there it's like a lot of faux rage, but it's directed at like things that I have no caring about. So I just get to watch it and be like, that's what people are like when they're angry. I appreciate it. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> he's, he's incredible. There is a uh uh well let me let me let me sign us off. Okay. Friends, thanks for listening. This has been a mini sort of what the hell is a pastor. We are the depressed Spanks Reebok and the dude. <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we will see you next time. 